Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Let's all stand together and worship the Lord. Continue to worship Him. Come on, dive in the deep waters today. He's got something good for you. I throw off despair and put a garment of praise on. I let go of shame and I receive my inheritance. I will live in the past. Cause you hold my future, your kingdom here at last. Everything is changing now. Everything is changing now. The Spirit of the Lord is here. The Spirit of the Lord is here. The miracles are breaking out. Your presence is among us now. The Spirit of the Lord is here. The Spirit of the Lord is here. Out of the grave, you bring resurrection. Heaven is coming down. Oh, this is revival. Your kingdom taking ground. Everything is changing now. Everything is changing now. The spirit of the Lord. It's in your presence, it's in your presence. I'm trading morning for dancing. I'm trading sorrow for joy. There's freedom here in your presence. It's in your presence, it's in your presence. There's freedom here in your presence. There's hope. It's in your presence. As I'm trading, 
Everything is changing, everything is changing now, everything is changing now, the Spirit of the Lord is, ooh, yes. come on and say miracles, there's one for me and one for you, among us now. The Spirit of the Lord is here. The Spirit 
Worship him, worship his presence, amen. Thank you, Father. Give him thanks right now for his visitation. Oh, he's visiting his people today. Amen. What does your faith look like when the unexpected strikes? A health diagnosis, a sudden loss, a broken marriage, a financial disappointment. Faith is the confidence that God will act on our behalf. According to your faith, there can be healing for your body, mind, and soul, hope for your future, restoration of your identity, redemption of what was lost, provision when you're in need. Imagine what God could do according to your faith. Good morning. If you believe God is good, why don't you give him a great praise today? Come on, let's take a quick second and just honor him. I know we clap a lot here, but he's worthy of it. Come on, let's take about 10 seconds. Just give him a good thanks right from your heart. Thank you for all that he's done for you and your family. Amen. Bless you, Lord. Come on, five more seconds. Let's go. Don't stop. Don't stop. Come on. Amen. Welcome those of you that are watching online, City of Life Church. I'm Pastor Jeffrey. Looking forward to spending some time with you here today. Um, got some cool things that are, that are in front of us. I'm really excited about the PRISM Thanksgiving blessing that we have. I'm also very excited next week is Heart for the House. Uh, you got to not only be here, but you got to invite somebody. You also got to come ready uh, for a miracle, ready for God to do something special in our church. Because I think as God meets the needs here, he also meets the needs in our own lives. And I love what God is doing here. I love what God is doing in this series. This is uh, the final part of a series that we're doing, According to Your Faith. I feel like today is going to be very, very special. I think that God is going to make some complicated things simple. Somebody say simple. Come on, I know that people get you, it sounds simple when you get, make someone repeat you, but say it one more time, say simple. I'm praying that the Lord would simplify a lot of the things that you've been struggling with today. Because faith is not complicated. It doesn't have to be complicated. It shouldn't be complicated. As a matter of fact, don't you love being around like a little kid that's big enough to like play and have fun, but, but not big enough to like always ask questions about everything. Like if you say, hey, oh no, I pulled my finger off. They go, oh, how'd you do that? You know, but if, a few more years after that, they're like, hey, no, that's not real. In our faith, didn't Jesus tell us that we have to become like a little child? So when you get too sophisticated in your faith, 
you're actually not being sophisticated enough because the kind of sophistication that God is looking for is childlike faith where we simply believe. So I'm excited about this last part. Next week, we start a brand new series. Maybe, I don't know how long it'll go, maybe three weeks, but it's going to be called Who Took Ivan's Snacks? That's the name of that series. So I'm not, I don't know about this story or how it ends uh, or who did this, but we'll figure that out uh, in our series that we begin next week. But today, um, I'm going to pray for this message and we'll get right into it. Father, thank you for your goodness and, and your mercy. God, thank you for this, this just atmosphere of worship. These, these songs that we sang today brought us into a really beautiful moment uh, in worship, just freedom in this place. And I, I just sense a, a renewed spirit of faith that's here today that's going to get on people today and in people today. Uh, and I pray for miracles as we were singing about to break out all over this room. Uh, if people need financial miracles, they're looking for a good report from, for the, from a doctor this week. They're uh, for a financial uh, deal that needs to go through or a relational issue in, 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 lot, in people's lives. Let miracles take place this week as we put our faith and trust in you. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. Also, Lord, los vaqueros, uh, we, we thank you for the Dallas Cat. Well, no, I, I should just get right into my message. We need, they're going to need some help today in the Eagles game. I'm worried about that. Matthew chapter 9, verses 27 through 29 is our text for the day. And it says, as Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them. So they're following after him. And he says to them, hey, do you believe that I'm able to do this? So I think what he's saying is that, yeah, I realize that by your estimation, this is a big thing. I get it, but that's not the, I'm not asking you how big you think this thing is. And, and I, I hate to do the same things every time that I teach a message or I'm using a story from the Bible, but I'm just going to continue with the pattern. I'm going to ask you the same question that Jesus asked these guys. Do you believe that he's able to do this? Because whatever the this is in your life, you know what it is. You know what this is in your situation. You know what this represents to you. That thing that you need a miracle in. That thing that appears so big. That thing that you've been carrying around with you for so long. Jesus asks a very simple question. We say it's complicated. It's layered. It's deep. You don't understand. Well, no, it's not with Jesus. With Jesus, it's a question. Do you believe I'm able to do this? I'm asking you today, do you believe that Jesus is able to do this? We're going to simplify it today because they just said something very easy. Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes and said this, according to your faith, let it be done to you. According to your faith, you need a big miracle. A, do you believe I can do it? And if the answer is yes, then be it unto you. Receive whatever you need according to how much you believe I can do it. If you really believe I can do it, then you're really going to get the miracle. If you really believe in me and you don't let anything cloud it, then you're going to get what you need. Be it unto you according to your faith. No one else sets the limits on your life. You set your own limits when it comes to faith. 
And because I got exactly two amens in a room full of so many people, I'm going to say that exact thing again. Because I kind of like when people don't say amen to something that I know is true. It makes me want to say it again. So I'm going to say it again. No one else sets the limits on your life when it comes to faith. You set your own limits. Amen. Thank you so much for being on on board. I want to be an amen church. I want to be a hallelujah church. I want to be a church that gets excited about the truth because Jesus says, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. Then you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Amen. So I want to be a truth filled church that gets excited about the things of God, but you set your own limits. So here's a few areas where we regularly set our own limits. Now, here's why it's hard to say amen to something like that. Because we live in a world that is feeding us regularly through television, social media, films, movies, the entertainment world is feeding us a message that nothing is our fault. Everything is the fault of someone else. So if I came in here today and I preached a message that says other people are keeping you back from your desperate, we would naturally want to go, yeah, who is it? And, and, and so I got to tell you, oh, yeah, it's them. Let's get them. You know, and that, that's kind of the idea today is everyone else is against us and keeping us from moving to the next level. But that's not what we learn in the Bible. Right. We learn that most of our issues that we're struggling and dealing with are not even the devil. The Bible says, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust. And when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And when sin is finished, it brings forth death. It says every person is drawn away when they're tempted of their own lust. Look at someone next to you and say, I know it's easy. But stop blaming the devil for everything that you do. We got to quit blaming the devil. Some of it's on us. A lot of this is on us. You set your own limits. How? I'm going to give you a couple of areas. Ways that you set your own limits that keep you from growing in your faith. Number one, you're not going to like it. Let's just get over it. I'm just going to get out of the way first of all. You set your own limits with your excuses. We come up with excuses, every reason, not just to... Our spouse or our church or whatever, you know, I don't have time. I mean, these are just, my dog ate my homework, you know, whatever it is, I'm tired, I don't have the energy. Uh, but we do it to God as well. We see this with Moses. You think that Moses would be convinced when a bush starts speaking to him, a bush, a shrub starts burning with fire and speaking to him. And he's like, I'm not sure if I can do it. What? This thing is speaking to you. The voice of God is coming through a plant and it's, and it's on fire and it's clearly talking to you. But yet you're coming up with reasons. He comes up with literally, count them, 11 different excuses. He says, I, I'm, I'm not good, a good enough speaker. I'm not a good leader. God's like, yes, it's you. He's like, no one wants to follow me. God's like, yes, it's you. He says, what if they laugh at me? God's like, yes, it's you. Eleven different things that he comes up with on why he can't. And that's one of the greatest leaders that's ever been born. I'm sure you've got more than 11 excuses about yourself. We come up with every imaginable reason. You set your own limits in your faith with your excuses. Well, I grew up and my parents forced religion on me. Whatever it is, whatever your excuse is. 
You have a set of excuses that you have applied to your life that in some area, if they are not confronted, will limit you in your faith. Maybe it's the story that you've developed, the narrative that you've developed about your life. Maybe it has to do with a trauma that you went through or a crisis that you went through. And instead of letting that be something that God brought you through that you're on the other side of, it so identifies you that people are introduced to your story within the first two minutes of meeting you. You're the burnt guy. You're the guy that God, you're, somebody spe- cheated on you or walked out on you. You're the, you know, the, the person who deals with trauma. You're the anxiety person. You're the, and I'm not diminishing the fact that we have problems. But what I'm saying, when we let the problems begin to define us, they become excuses not to have to do what God tells. I'm not sure what that sound was. Not to have to do what God tells us to do and requires us to do as people of faith. So we set our own limits with our excuses. We set our own limits also with our belief systems. And and I wanted to dig into this a little bit more. I mentioned it a few weeks ago about our belief systems. I called it our BS only just because it stands for belief systems. B, belief systems, BS. It's, it's silly, but uh, it's, it's kind of immature probably too. But anyways, uh, uh, you, with, with our own belief systems. And I think that that's a big problem. I think this is a huge one because if we do not confront poor belief systems, these things take root and they shape the way we think about our life and our world. And do you know what we do? Because of something that's called confirmation bias, we have, what, what that means is that our deepest level of belief systems, we are subconsciously reaching for things that confirm and affirm our deepest belief systems. So when we find something, if we say, I'm not good enough, if, if, if our belief system is, I am not good enough and I will never be good enough, anything someone says that even remotely confirms our belief system, what we have allowed to creep in and to define us on the inside, instead of rejecting it and saying, no, in Jesus' name, I am, I am God's favorite. In Jesus' name, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Instead of rejecting it, we say, see, they said something about me. I'm nothing, I'm nobody. And we're allowing belief systems to set limits on our life. So that's why belief systems are not a joke. We can't allow ourselves to speak something that is contrary to the word of God. We got to take control of our house. What, are, what am I? I am the temple of the Lord. This is the house of the Lord. Whatever comes out of my mouth, I am the head of my household. I have a wife and I've got children. It is my responsibility to make sure that what is said in my house and what is done in my house is appropriate as the priest and prophet of my home. If somebody comes into my home and begins to speak stuff in my house from the outside and say stuff that does not belong in my house, I will confront it and I will cast them out. I will cast it out of my house. I'm not going to put up with something that's below the standard of what God has called for my house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And as for me and this house, which is Jeffrey Smith, when things begin to come out of my mouth, and I hear them all the time, when, they, when I speak something and say something that does not line up with who I'm supposed to be, and I recognize that there's a belief system that is wrong in my life, I must confront it and expel it from my life, forbid it from being a part of my life, so that the righteousness of God can be revealed through me in everything I do. 
Now, it's like Gideon. Remember in Judges chapter 6 when the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon and he's going to use Gideon to deliver Israel from the Midianites. Gideon happens to be hiding in this moment. He's hiding himself in a wine press, a place that they would never look. So he's literally in fear, trembling in fear. And this angel comes to him and says, Gideon, you're a mighty warrior. And he goes, no, I'm not. Uh, you got the wrong guy here. I'm actually like the, the, the weakest guy in my entire family. And my family is the weakest family in all of Israel. <laughs> he's like, so I'm like the worst guy in this whole place. You got the wrong dude. And the, the angel's like, no, you are a mighty man of valor. And he says, you know, but pardon me, you know, Mr. Angel, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us to the hand of Midian. What do I see here when I look at Gideon? I see someone who has set his own limits because of improper belief systems. He believes that God doesn't move anymore. There are people in this room right now. You have allowed yourself to believe just because you have not seen God manifest in the way that you wanted in your personal life and your family and your thought life and your emotions in your church and your community, whatever. You say God doesn't work anymore. And it's not true. He does. Also, he added to it. God has abandoned me. When, you don't, when God doesn't move the way you want to see him move, sometimes you will allow those to become deep-seated belief systems in your life. They must be confronted. My dad used to tell a story, or he talks about it pretty frequently, about this building. When, he, when this building was almost finished in 1993, a, a friend of his who was a pastor of a, a very successful church... Uh, he brought him to see this building. And this guy walked in this room. And when he walked in this room, he goes, his, his jaw dropped up. He goes, wow. He said, I will never build anything this big or this great. He said, this is bigger than me. He goes, I will never do something like this. And my dad just thought, to himself, he didn't really say anything. Uh, but my dad used to talk about that to me. And he used to say, this guy, really, he, he taught me this. He set limits on his own life. He knew and, and for whatever reason spoke over his own life the limitations. So you know what that did? It put God in a bubble in his life. It set a ceiling in his mind on what God could possibly do. And I got news for you. If God wants to do something that is so far beyond your imagination, so far beyond your budget, so beyond, far beyond your intelligence level or your dreams, he'll do whatever he wants him to do if you just let him, if you just believe. All you have to do is just believe. And you know what? That guy was right. I, I look down the road years later. I look at his life, the trajectory of that guy. I know who that guy is. I look at his life and I see he set limits on his own life and he didn't, and God never did anything like that because he never believed or dreamed that he would. So I just encourage you today confront that mentality in your life. Do not allow that mentality to grow in your life. It has to be confronted. If you, if, if you believe this kind of stuff, and you don't have anything to counter it with. You know, I'm just, I was just thinking about this after the last service was over. I had a lot of interactions with people about the way the service went. And it, it, was, it was positive. But I did something that I'm going to do right now. But I would just say this right now. If I gave any advice to a Christian on how to radically change their life, to live the Christian faith out in a brand new way that you have never experienced, I would say this. You take some powerful faith scriptures...
and you memorize them. You memorize those scriptures, 10, 15 scriptures. We, we listen to Spotify all the time. Everyone's on podcasts all the time. We're listening to everything. We got the time. It has nothing to do with time. It's got to do with the effort. I got news for you. If you want to build up your biceps, you better curl. Okay. If, if, if you want to build up your chest, you better bench. If you want to build up your endurance, you better go out and run. You better get on a treadmill. And in the same way, if you want to build your faith, you got to get the word of God in your heart. you got to get the word of God in your spirit. It can't just be something that you know in your head. Your spirit has to know it. And why do you need those scriptures in your spirit? So you can begin to declare it to combat the lies of the enemy. When the enemy begins to speak to you and tell you things that you are not, you do exactly what Jesus did when the enemy came to tempt him in the wilderness. He said, if you're so hungry, turn these breads to bread, turn this bread, these stones to bread. And Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He quoted the Bible and every single thing that the enemy tempted Jesus with, he didn't give his opinion. He didn't say how he was feeling. He, he responded to every attack of the enemy with a scripture. We have to have the word of God in us. Start with one scripture. You say, I can't do 15. Do one. Start with one that you declare over your life. There is power in addressing your improper belief systems with the word of God. Now, I'm just going to ask real quick. I want somebody to come up here to the front of the room that needs to build your faith. Someone that wants to build your faith. You're in a space in your life where you want to build your faith. Just come right here. I don't, it doesn't matter who it is. Don't matter if you've been here for years, if you're brand new, whatever. Okay, she wants to build her faith. That's great. You want to build your faith too? I'm going to take, well, I'll take three or four of them. Three or four of you guys. All right, so here she is. We've got two more right here. Give them a hand as they come up here. I think this is great. Well, Lord Jesus, we got, I said two or three. Get in line. Whatever. We'll do it. I like it. I like it. I like it. Luckily, I put a lot of scriptures up here. So we're, okay, so come on, right here, right here. So let's put that first scripture up there. I, I put a couple scriptures down there, just scriptures that I declare over my life on a regular basis. So this scripture, what I'm going to ask you guys to, oh, we're going to be here till 4.30. The, the game starts, the, the Dallas game starts at 4.30. Are you guys down with letting God do what he wants to do and all these people? They want to build their faith? They're going to get to build their faith. They're going to do it right in front of you. And I'm going to show you right now, because the Holy Spirit told me today, don't teach about faith. Teach them how to have faith. Okay, this is how you have faith. What I'm talking about right now, this is how you have faith. You have it in God's word. And by, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Come on, say it. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. So one more time. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Do, Are we starting to understand why we need to speak it? We need to speak it so we can. We need to speak it so we can. Okay, so when you speak it, you begin to hear it and you go, oh, yeah, that's true right there. That's true right there. So it don't matter what you're going through in your life. I never got a chance to meet you, so hello. Nice to see you. But here we go. Psalms 512. This is a great scripture. I want you to read it out loud into the microphone. Here we go. Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. Okay, so think about this for just a second. Surely, surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. Who is the righteous? You. You are the righteous. Say it. Say, I am the righteous. Say it. 
I am the righteous. Okay, so you are the righteous that the Bible is talking about. And surely, he's saying there is absolutely no doubt about it. Lord, you will bless the righteous. You will surround them, which is you in this case, with your favor like a shield. So it does not matter what I'm going through. It doesn't matter what the enemy is throwing at me. I have a shield of protection around me. So I want you to speak this one more time right now. And when you speak it, you speak it in faith. The first time you read it, now I want you to declare it. Declare it and mean it from your spirit. Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. Who's the righteous? I am. Say it again. You got it. Now say it again. Come on. Surely, Lord. Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. How'd that feel? Oh, yeah. She said, that feels good. Come on. Somebody give God a praise. Okay. Now you go back and sit down. All right. Put the next one up there. I don't even know what it is. I wrote down a bunch of scriptures I love. Oh, this is a banger right here. I love this one. Psalm 119.49 says, remember your word to your servant for you've given me hope. Now go to the next, the next part is the part that I want him to say. I love this part. So go ahead, Diego, read this out loud. My comfort in my suffering is this. Your promise preserves my life. Okay, so I want you to think about this for a second, man. Think about what this actually means. My comfort in my suffering, whatever it is that you're going through, buddy, my comfort in my suffering is this. Your promise your promise, not the circumstances around me, your promise, what you have said, what you put your blood on, your promise is what preserves my life. It is not a seatbelt. It's not uh, just the, 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 the rules of this land that I live in. It's not my strength. It's not my own ability to handle myself. Your promise is the thing that preserves my life. That's what this scripture means. So I want you to say it. I want you to say it. You read it the first time. Now declare it and mean it from your spirit. Your promise it preserves my life. Say it again. Your promise preserves you my life. It, I believe Diego? it. That's right. Come on, give Diego a prayer. Give Diego an encouragement. Give the Lord a praise. Hey, so you ready? Put this next one up here. Ooh, oh, another banger. You're getting all the good ones. This is, these people in the back are going to be in trouble because we're getting all the good ones right now. There's a lot of good ones. Uh, you're going to be in for something good here. All right, so read, the, read this out loud. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound and mind. Okay, that's good. Think about that for a second now. So for God has not given us a spirit of fear. So that means if you have any fear in your life, you know where it didn't come from. It did not come from God. God has not given us a spirit of fear. But he told you what he did give you. He gave you a spirit of power. He gave you a spirit of love. He gave you a sound mind, not crazy anxiety all over the place. He gave you all the things that you need. So now when you read it, read it with your spirit and say it and, and mean it. Mean those words as you're saying it and say it in faith today. For God has not given, me, given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of sound in mind. See, what I like is you said God has not given me. You were personalizing already. You said, hey, forget about these people right now. This is for me. Exactly. Okay, you can go sit back down. That's what we're talking about. Hi. How you doing? Awesome. All right, let's put the next one up there. Okay, ooh, this is a good one too. I, I want you to read this last part. This, this part, this talks about, this is about praying, and it says, let him bury his face in the dust. There may be hope. So what this is actually about is basically saying that when everything looks like that, there's no way that it could work out, you can always come back to God and you can get down when it says bury your face in the dust. That means basically get in a place of prayer where when there's no solution that anyone can come up with 
It says, let him bury his face in the dust, for there may yet still be hope. So, so when you're praying this, that, that means that anything you're going through, you say, I've got hope. When no one else does, I've got hope. You get that? All right, so read that. Let him bury his face in the dust, there may yet be hope. Okay, that's good. Now, you're going to have to say this one. You got to say it in faith. Are you ready? You're not ready? I don't care if you're ready or not. You're going to say it. All right. Here we go. You, you, you're going to feel it. All right, here we go. Let him bury his face in the dust. There may yet be hope. Oh, I like that right there. I felt it whether you felt it or not. Okay. Go sit back down. That's good. That's good. My Lord. I love it. We're having church up in here today. All right. What's the next one? Let's put another one up there. Ooh, another good one right here. So you're going to read it the first time. We're going to talk about it. Then you're going to declare it. I said declare it. And the second time you're going to declare. First time you're going to read it. Second time you're going to declare it. Read it. May the God of hope fill you with all your joy and peace. Mm -hmm. As you trust in him so you may, so you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't think she needs a second time. Go sit down. Yeah, you got it. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. As you, as you trust in him. And so when you're trusting, the answer's not there yet. So think of the power of that when you're going through a situation. May the God of hope. He's not just a God that has hope. That's his name, the God of hope. May he fill you with how much joy? All of it. How much peace? May he, may he fill you with all of it as you trust in him so that you may not have enough to get through, but overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you feeling that? Okay, look at that smile. She's feeling it. All right, you go sit down. Here we go. What's up, my man? All right, let's put the next one up there. Oh, you got another good one, too. This is, this is one of Jesus. This is one of the most awesome things he said. Here we go. Read it the first time. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So, so, so think about this, man. Bro, when you are going through a difficult time and the enemy is trying to rob you, you can call him out exactly for who he is. The thief comes only. All you're trying to do to me is steal, kill, destroy. Every one of those three things, they're, they're all destructive. Nothing creative. The, the enemy can't create anything. He can only distort what God has already created. So anything in your life that he's trying to take from you, when you're speaking this in faith, you just say it out loud. You say, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Not just, and I love that. That last scripture we talked about, overflowing with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is talking about an abundant life. Abundant means more than you need. So not just have good stuff, but have more good stuff than you can even know what to do with. So I want you to read it and say in faith, bro. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Come on, somebody give God a praise. Amen. Amen. Lord, do I even have enough scriptures? I put a lot. I'm glad I put a lot. I didn't know how many people was going to come up here. I thought it was going to be three. All right, let's put the next one. Some of these are long, too. Ooh. Oh. Oh, shoot. Woo! You know, faith is contagious, don't you? Faith is contagious. When you start thinking about this stuff, when you start thinking about who God actually is, when you start thinking about a scripture like this, the enemy tries to push in and intimidate you. 
He tries to push in your life and tell you what you're going to have to give up, what you're going to have to let go of, tries to define you by your past. When he starts trying to bring people into your life that lie about you and tear you down and intimidate you that you're going to lose your family, you're going to lose this, you're going to lose that, this is what you need. You need a Psalm 27.1. I want to preach it so bad, but I'm going to let this lady right here say, I want to steal your thunder so bad, but, but I'm not going to. I'm, I'm going to give it to you because this, this is hot right here. I, I don't even think you need to read it, then say it. Just say it in faith. Say these words in faith. Say it with conviction. Let faith rise up in your soul and you say it out loud. Come on, here we go. It's going it's to set some people in this room free. As she says it right now, it's about to come into your spirit and flow through you. It's going to be your word too. Anybody ready in this place? Come on, are you ready? Here we go. Speak it. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Oh, Lord, Lord, Lord. Come on, it goes on to say, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Somebody say, who shall I fear? Come on, say, whom shall I fear? Come on, say, I will not be afraid. Say, I stand on God's word. Come on, you, you got to go back to your seat. We got a long line here. What are you, trying to, you, you want to preach again? You already preached it. Why? My Lord. Okay, here we go. Let's go to the next one. Well, that's the, that's the, the second part of the, the other one. Let's go to the next one. Are we out of them? No, we got, there's no one. Oh, okay. Ooh. Oh. I can't take this. I can't take it. Oh, Lord Jesus. You don't even know. You don't even know how the scriptures bailed me out of tough moments in my life. Because we will see. Oh, I can't steal it from this lady. I can't steal it. It's too good. But I just got to tell you something. Only the word of God can make you who you're called to be. Only this truth can make you who you're called to be. You speak it. You speak it. You live it. You speak it. You breathe it. it. You don't have to fight. It fights for you. God has already fought your battles. So today we have to learn what faith actually is. Let's stop getting in church and just waiting for some. Who cares about people retweeting you on Instagram? Who cares about any of that stuff? What we care about is that we get transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that faith gets on us, it gets in us, and activates in our life to take us to another level in our walk with God. Be it unto you according to your faith. Get faith stirred up. Get faith stirred up in your life. This is how you do it today. So are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So do you already, have you read this already and you know what it says and you, you believe it? It's good, ain't it? Okay, here we go. You get, you get to say this. I wanted to say it so bad. I started crying because I couldn't say it. It made me cry. No, no, you say it. I want you to say it. Here we go. I am so confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Where? In the land of the living. Where? In the land of the Yeah, you're going to see it in this life. You're going to see it. Come on, you go sit down. God's favor in this life. Somebody say, in this life. You ain't got to wait. I think that my, my relatives, people I grew up with, they were all caught up on singing all these songs about what heaven was going to be like. And I'm excited about heaven. But you know what? I trust God that it's going to be wonderful. I don't have to spend my time worrying about what heaven's going to be like. Because I believe that God said, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God wants to bring heaven to my world. He wants to bring heaven here. That's why the word is everything in your faith. 
Stop waiting for a sermon to change your life. Get the word in you. That's why when I preach and I use so many scriptures, I'm hoping that you write it down and you go home and you get in it and open it up and begin to memorize it. Get it in your spirit. You, the, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and of the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Nothing is more powerful than God's word. It will make the incision between soul and spirit, between your thought, your flesh, and your soul. It's the only thing powerful enough to do that. You want to have faith. You want to see what faith really looks like. Begin to speak God's word. Let's put another scripture up there. Are we out? We got more. I love it. Here we go. All right. Oh. I can't take this. Okay, so I'm going to let you read it real quick. and We don't have to do the read it, then read it, then declare it. Just read it with your eyeballs. And then declare <laughs> Read it and then declare it. Because I think we're already to the point where faith is stirred up. And I know that this is going to apply to your life. Because the first part of that, read that first part. Because it, sometimes we question some of the things that we've been through. But this basically saying, well, I can't, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to explain it. I'm just going to let you say it. Here we go. And we all know that in things God works for the good and those in who we love. Him who have been... <sighs> Who have been called accordingly to his, to his purpose. Okay, so what I love about that is that it's saying that we, we know that in all things, God works for good for those that love him. So in this scripture, what it's saying is you're the one that loves him. You're the one that, that loves Jesus. You're the one that has given your heart to the Lord. So that means that no matter what comes your way, in all things means the bad things that happen to you, God will use them for his good. The neutral things that happen to you, God will use it for his good. And the good things, God will use for his good. So the devil ain't got nothing on you. No matter what comes your way, you can say all things work together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Amen. Can somebody say amen? Amen. What's that? Can you get a hug? Yes. God bless you. God bless you. Okay. Here we go. Come on. Come on. Come on. Oh, we have enough for all of them? I, got, I, I can quit. I, uh, asking that question every second. Hey, give that girl a great hand. That's, that's great right there. That's, that's good job. Good job. Good job getting that in your soul. All right, here we go. Uh, Jeremiah. You ever read this before? You ever read that? This is a good one, isn't it? This is really good. This is, a, this is like a life verse. So this is so good. So say it in faith. Say it in faith. You're not just reading this. You're saying it. You're declaring it. You're building faith in your life today. Amen. Okay, here we go. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. What, what are the plans? Because he's got some plans, so you've got to read it now. It says plans to prosper. Tell me now, how do you feel? <laughs> plans to prosper you and not to Ooh, plans to, to do what? To what? <laughs> to prosper you. Ooh, so you're saying God wants you to prosper? Yes. Okay, do you believe that? Yes. Yeah, see, he, he, you've got to know the plans first. Yeah. So, so you got to know the plan. It says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. So that means God said to you, you're saying, you already told me you know the plans you have for me. Plans for me to what? To prosper you. What else? And not to harm you. And not to harm you. So that means if something bad happens, you didn't come from the Lord, did it? Isn't that what that means? Okay, so plans to prosper you. And not to harm you. And what else? Plans to give you hope. Oh, don't take all of them at one time. you got to slow it down. If you're ever going to be a preacher, you got to take a little bit of time on each one of them words right there. Plans to prosper you. Not to harm you, plans to give you a hope. 
I love the fact that we've got a hope. No matter how down and out we are, no matter what we're going through, you got a hope today. You have a hope. I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to anybody in this room right now. You have a hope in every situation you are in right now in Jesus' name. A hope, okay, and then the last one is really good too, and give you what? Future. Do you believe that you got a future in God? Amen. Somebody give God a praise today. All right, yes. All right, God bless you. All right, here we go. Let's go to the next one. How are you doing? I'm good. All right, I'm excited about this. Ooh, oh, this is a good one, too. Nehemiah 8 and 10. Oh, this is a good one. Okay, you ready? Okay. All right, so read it and declare. Don't be dejected. Okay. Don't be dejected. Don't just get the first one. Don't be dejected. Don't get down. Okay. It don't matter what nobody says to you. Let me, tell you, let me talk to you real quick. People are going to say stuff. People are going to say stuff you don't like. It's just a fact. People are going to let you down. People are going to lie about you. They're going to give up on you. It's just the nature of people. So God is preparing us. When we know this, we know in our spirit, hey, Jeff, don't get dejected. Don't get Because I'm feeling that dejection sometimes. I'm feeling myself want to get down. I'm feeling myself want to be the guy that walks into the room and everyone else is like, hey, what's up? And I go, hey, what's up? You know, I, I want to be that guy. So somebody will say, oh, Jeff, what's wrong? Because that's dejected. But it's just teaching me right off the bat. I'm reprogramming my belief systems. Don't get dejected. Okay, well, so don't get dejected. So start over. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The what? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Just stop on that one word. The what? Strength. The joy. The joy. The joy. Say that again. The joy. The joy. The joy. You better, you better smile when you say joy now. Okay, you can't say joy. Serious. Okay, the joy. The joy. Say the joy. The joy. The joy. Because he's got some joy, doesn't he? God's got joy. He'll give you joy. He'll put joy in your soul that you can't imagine. It ain't because of your circumstances. It's because who he is, who he is in you. So don't be dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord is your, is your what? Come on, read it one more time. I want you to say that in faith. Come on, say it. Believe, speak it over your life. Don't be de dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Come on, give this lady a great hand. I believe it. I believe it. Man, bro, you... You put me to shame over here. Look at you. Man. you look, look at this guy. He looks great. Okay, here we go. You ready? Oh, okay. Ooh, this is a good one too right here. Philippians 4, 19. It's wonderful. So, so read it. Read it one time. And I want you to declare it over your life in faith. You're speaking it in faith over your life. And I realized, thank you for coming up because I asked people to come up here that needed to build their faith. I didn't ask people to come up here that were the most confident of their faith. So I appreciate all of you guys, can we give all these guys a great hand for coming up here? I believe this is how you build faith. When you're willing to step up a little bit and say, hey, I might be struggling in some things, but I, I want to learn how to do it. And I believe that God has put it in you and he's giving you faith today. Okay? So here we go. Speak this out. My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Jesus Christ. Okay, so he will, ooh, this is good right here. So say my God. Okay, so that's how it starts out. And my God, yes. so my, your God yes. will meet all of your needs, yes. not according to your riches, not according to your bank account, not according to your paycheck, not according to the raise or the promotion that you're waiting on, but according to what? To Jesus Christ. To, according to what? The riches. To, to the riches of whose glory? Uh, of his glory, of his, according to the riches of his glory. So your needs will be met according to his riches. So what does that mean? That means his riches are your riches. 
His riches are your. The riches that he has belongs to you, so he will meet your needs according to his riches. Are you feeling that? Oh, my man said that's word right there. Okay, here we go. Let's go. Let's go. Good stuff. All right, give this man a hand. You don't want a hug too? Come on, I gotta get. Jeez, oh, what's going on? I thought. All right. Who believes God is good today? If you believe he's good, give him 10 seconds of praise while I put my shirt on. Amen. I can't afford it. We all say that sometimes. I can't afford it. We come up with all these, we have these belief systems. We can't afford this. We can't afford that. I can't afford the conference at church. It's too expensive. Yeah, you went to every Marvel premiere for the last 14 years. You got every subscription service imaginable, but you can't afford it. You can't afford it. And, and that's a problem. I can't afford it has way less to do with your bank account and more to do with your heart. It's a belief system. So instead of I can't afford it, how about I can't afford it? But God can. I can't afford it, but God can. Who believes that God can afford it? God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is my provider. These are ways that you can address your poor belief systems when you hear yourself say something that you know represents the mentality that is contrary to who God has called you to be. Call yourself out. It's okay, too, when you hear someone else say, I can't afford it, to say, but God can. It's okay. What is that? It's expressing your belief system, who you are in Christ. So you need to... You need to confront your improper belief systems and reprogram them and reestablish them. So you also set your own limits when it comes to your faith. Jeho Jehoash was a king in Israel, and he was an evil king. And Elisha, the man of God, was actually dying. He was sick. And even though this guy was an evil king, he knew that Elisha was a man of God. So he went to see Elijah in 2 Kings 13. And Elisha said, to, he actually laid his hands on him. He said, take the bow to, to, he said, get a bow and some arrows to the king. And he said, now take the bow in your hands. And Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. He said, open the east window. And he said, shoot. So he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria, for you must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you have destroyed them. He told this man that the bow, the arrow that he shot represented victory. He said, shoot this. This arrow represents victory and it represents you striking. This is why it's important. No matter where we are on our faith journey, that we always have to be ready for a miracle. We always have to be ready for God to move, to rush in at the moment that we need him to give us the provision. But we got to be ready and understand and discerning of the moment. Because he said to him after he shot the arrow, he says, now take the arrows. And he said, strike the ground. He had just told him that the arrow represents a strike. Then he said, take the arrows that are left and strike the ground. And it says, so the king took the arrows and struck the ground three times. Then he stopped. And the man of God was angry with him. And he said, you should have struck the ground five times or six times. Then you would have struck Syria until you destroyed it. But since you only struck the ground three times, you're only going to strike Syria three times. Wow. He was limited and 
He put limits on his own life because he had limits on his faith. If he would have been listening to what God was saying about the arrow representing the strike, then listening to the man of God said, now strike the ground and show me how. That's really what God was saying. Show me how you're going to do it in the spirit. And the man should have just, and he said, whoa, 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 okay, stop, 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 stop. Yeah, that's good. You, you, you're going to get the vision. No, he showed the limitations of his faith because he wasn't willing to go forward in faith and believe that God could do the biggest thing. Uh, I, I know we're kind of running out of time, but years ago, uh, I mean, this is like when I was like 19, 20 years old. I just come back from Dallas. I had some offers to move to Nashville. In the, I was a recording artist in the music business. And I didn't want to move to Nashville because I wanted God to do whatever he did in my life right here out of Kissimmee, St. Cloud. Uh, I, I just felt like it would not be the right move for me to go to Nashville. I, I, knew, I knew that there were some dreams that I had here. My parents had built a life here. And I thought, well, if he can do it in Nashville, then he can do it in St. Cloud. So anyways, someone asked me to lunch. And when they asked me to lunch, they, this is a very just quirky kind of person that I don't, I didn't know very well. I, didn't, I never, they were a lot older and uh, just didn't connect really with them very much, didn't have a lot in common with them. But I said yes to go to lunch, and when I was at lunch, they said, now what, you know, what are your dreams? Like, what are the things that you want to do in your life? And I said, well, I've got all kinds of things. I want to, you know, build a recording studio. I want to build, get in the entertainment world. I want to do everything that I could have done in Nashville here. I believe God can do something great here. And, and this person knows nothing of that entire world. They're from a complete, like, ranching background, like, like cowboy background. And so uh, I was like, yeah, it's, it's what I want to do. And they said, well, you know, what are the details of that? Like, you know, what, what would it cost for you to do something? Like that? I just, they said, I don't even know, even have a ballpark of something like that. Uh, you know, and I said, so it would cost, actually, I was just looking at it recently, what it would cost. It's over $40,000. I gave the exact number. And there's like, oh, that's cool. We changed the subject, talk about all kinds of other things. So anyways, that week when I got back to the office, uh, I was working, and our, our receptionist said, hey, somebody dropped off a card for you. And I went and looked at that card and opened the card and said, thank you for having lunch. And in the card was a check for $47,000. It was the exact amount. It was the exact amount that I, of what I had dreamed. I did not believe that that was too big for God. I didn't know. I had zero. I, I mean, on a scale of one to a thousand I had a zero idea that they were like asking me to say a number. I did not even dream that someone would be listening to that to pay. First of all, I didn't even, I bought that person's lunch because I didn't think they could afford it. I didn't even know they had any money. Uh, seriously, uh, like it was, it was the craziest thing. They drove an old beat up car. I didn't know this person was like a multimillionaire and like I'd never even met this person. So uh, it was crazy. So uh, it's wild how God works, but we can set limits in our own life by being unwilling to believe that God is big enough to accomplish something huge through us. Don't dumb down the dream. Don't dumb down the vision just because you can't figure out how the resource is going to come. That's what faith is. Faith, you have to see through eyes of faith. Uh, and, and I hope that's encouraging to you today. Uh, so I think we limit ourselves by faith. And then, you know, finally, I, I will just move on since we're getting low on time here. To, uh, you set your own limits with unbelief. Okay, unbelief. There's a difference in lack of faith and the presence of unbelief. I think that sometimes we need greater faith, 
But miracles cannot be done if unbelief exists in your life. You have to completely root out unbelief in your life. So there's this story in Mark 9 where this man brings his son to Jesus and, and he's got a demon that foams at, the, he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, becomes rigid. He says to Jesus, I spoke to your disciples and they couldn't cast this demon out. And he said, Jesus was frustrated. He said, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? He said, bring him to me. Uh, and so he brought, brought him to him. And he, when he saw him, said the spirit that was in this, this kid started manifesting and convulsed and fell on the ground and wallowed, foamed at the mouth. And he asked his father, he said, how long has this been happening to him? He said, from the time that he was a child. He's thrown him in the fire, thrown him in the water, tried to destroy him. And he says, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus heard something there. And I think it's the same thing he's listening for in us when we genuinely, remember when I was talking in the beginning about being simple? It's, it's what he's looking for. When he hears someone in simple faith that just believes, that catches his ear. And he says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Raise your hand if you just simply believe today. Raise your hand if you just simply believe. Amen. Just say, I believe God. And I like what this guy said. He's honest enough to admit. He says, immediately the father of the child cried out with tears and said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. See, that's the problem is we've got to push out. Because he didn't get the miracle until he pushed out and asked for help with his unbelief. And then his son was healed. And we look at the spirit of unbelief. What is the spirit of unbelief? It's those belief systems that creep in and it turns into unbelief. We don't believe what the Bible has to say about really important things. we got to be really careful that we don't creep into this world because we are not open for the miraculous when we possess unbelief in our life. We disqualify ourselves from the miraculous. We've got to be very, very careful. We have to be very humble about this. Because in Matthew 13, it says, when Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there and came into his hometown. He came to St. Cloud. And he taught them in their synagogue. It's like if you're from St. Cloud, he comes to St. Cloud. And they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and this mighty works? Isn't this the carpenter's, carpenter's son? Didn't he go to St. Cloud High School? Isn't his mother Mary? Don't I know his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? Aren't his sisters? His sisters are right here. Where did he get all these things? He didn't go to Bible school. He wasn't anointed by Billy Graham. He wasn't some big guy. I've known this guy since he was a kid. Who is he? How is he speaking all this stuff and everyone is believing it? And it says they took offense at Jesus. And Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown and in his own household. It says, and he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Jesus Christ, you say, Jesus Christ can do anything. He could not do many miracles there. Why? Because it wasn't about what he could do. It's about what he could do through them. It's not simply about what he can do. It's what you're allowing him to do through you. Your unbelief completely disqualifies you from the presence of God. You literally have to push it out of your life and confront it like the enemy that it is. 
James 1.6 says, let him ask in faith, not doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. A person like that should never suppose they will receive anything from the Lord. Peter, when he was walking on the water, he saw Jesus and he said, if you tell me to come, I'll come to you. Jesus said, come. And Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward him. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. He saw something and unbelief crept in. And I'm going to close by giving you three or four signs of unbelief. Things that you have to confront. Please write this down or watch this back. I would always take notes in church. I, I just It's not about who's speaking. It's about why you're here. It's a really important thing to take this down so you can come back and check it out. And if you didn't take notes today, watch it back and take notes. Take these scriptures. Get them in your spirit. Every scripture that we confessed right there... Watch this back. Write every single one of them down. You should memorize them. These should be things that are in your spirit, in your soul. Here's a sign of unbelief. Pride. Pride means that you don't believe you will receive the credit that you deserve if you do things God's way. Pride means you don't think that you'll get the credit you deserve if you do things God's way. So what do you do? You do them your way. You demand respect. You demand honor. You demand all the things that God has promised he will give you if you just simply honor him and do things his way. But pride, it, it masquerades as unbelief. Or, or unbelief masquerades as pride, actually. Bitterness and unforgiveness is a sign of unbelief. Why? Because you don't believe God is faithful to deal with people appropriately if you forgive and demonstrate the kind of grace and kindness that the Bible commands us to demonstrate. So instead of forgiving and just being kind and just saying, I let it go, I forgive you. It's because of your unbelief, you do not trust God that he will handle that person. He will handle the poor attitude. You are the one that's called to use the good attitude, the right attitude to let it go. But when you possess unforgiveness and bitterness, it's pure and complete and total unbelief. You've disqualified yourself from the miracle. You know what's crazy about this form of unbelief is that we try to even justify this unbelief by reinterpreting Scripture. The Scripture doesn't actually say to forgive. Scripture doesn't say we're supposed to let things go, but only if this happens. It's insanity. Seventy times seven is what Jesus said. That's how many times we're supposed to forgive. Also, selfishness. Selfishness, we do not believe that God will provide enough if we are as generous as he commands us to be. So what selfishness does is selfishness says, I don't believe. I actually don't believe that you will provide, so i got to hold on to this. i got to keep it for myself. And then finally, carnality is a sign that you have unbelief in your life. You don't believe that you'll be content if you live the way God has commanded you to live. So what you do is you come up with all these things for you to do. I'm going to go eat here. I'm going to watch this. I'm going to listen to that. I'm going to go to this party. I'm going to hang out with this person. I'm going to, and it's just flesh, flesh. Everything is flesh, 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 flesh. And we're afraid that if we live the way God has called us to live, we won't be satisfied. So we take matters into our own hands. So I hope this series has encouraged you. I hope it's uh, built you up. I hope your faith is strong. I hope you've been willing to confront some unbelief that is in your life and that is in my life that I don't want to exist because I want to live a life according to my faith. And I want my faith to be strong because whatever I go through, I want to have that confidence that rises up in me that, you know, 
I can't afford it, but God can. I can't heal it, but God can. I can't change it, but God can. Somebody say, but God can. That's the idea of faith. I can't do it, but God can. Amen. So uh, would you bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? If you're here today or watching online and you do not know Jesus, uh, I just want to give you this invitation uh, to surrender your heart to the Lord. Surrender your heart to Jesus. He's knocking at the door of your heart. He's asking you if you would finally surrender control to him. As Pastor Jess was talking about earlier, to make him the Lord of your life. He controls. It's his will first. It's his will always. To live your life according to his word. To live a life of faith, not just by personal convictions, but by faith that comes from the person of the Holy Spirit. If you've never done that before, you're watching online, I'm going to invite you to do that. I'm going to count to three in this room. And when I do, I'm going to ask people to lift their hands. I'll ask you to lift your hands that are watching online. I'll also ask you to type in the chat, I need Jesus, so that our moderators and our team can connect with you and see that you're reaching out for the Lord. In this room, I'll ask people to lift their hands on three. One, the Bible says, now is the time of salvation. Two, I believe every person here has been drawn here by the power of the Holy Spirit for this very precious moment. God's moving. Three, hands up all over the building if that's you. Hands going up everywhere. My gosh, that's dozens of people all over this room responding to the Lord. That's a miracle. That's incredible. That's incredible. I'll tell you what, I mean, we're already a little bit over, but that's a lot of people. If you've got your hand up in the air, could you just look at me real quick? Every person with your hand up, would you just come right here real quick? I want to I wanna just see you down here at the front of this room. Just stand up where you are. Come on, give them a hand as they stand up. Every person that lifted their hand. Come on, church, give them a hand. Come down here really quick. I just want to pray with you down here at the front. If you lifted your hand. Come on, church, give a huge hand. That's not the way City of Life claps when people come to give their heart to the Lord. We, we put our hands together till it hurts. Come on, and we, and we clap until they quit walking down here. That's a lot of people that want to know Jesus and want to commit their lives to the Lord. Amen. Keep clapping, keep clapping, keep clapping, keep clapping until they stop coming. Amen, amen. Come on, keep clapping, keep clapping, keep clapping, keep clapping. They're still coming. They're still coming. Amen, 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 amen. Hey, look at me. God loves you. He cares for you. He has a purpose for your life. You are not just a conqueror. The Bible says you're not just a conqueror. He said we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. You are an overcomer today in Jesus' name. Whatever you have been through, the enemy has tried to stop you and keep you from moving forward in your faith. And you know what? He failed. He failed because God has got a hold of you today. God has called you according to his purpose. He has blessed you and given you everything that you need according to his riches and glory. It's about him today, and he's got something brand new for you today. So it's exciting to see you up here. Thank you so much for responding to the Lord in faith. I believe people have responded online as well. So I'll just ask you right now, could you lift up your hands to the Lord today as a sign of surrender? And we're going to pray this prayer together out loud. Say, I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of my sins. I'm turning away from the old life and walking into a brand new life with you. I can't do this myself. I need your forgiveness. I need your mercy from my sins. Give me your righteousness so I can live a life that's pleasing unto you. From this day forward, it will be Jesus first, Jesus always.
in everything I do. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, so can somebody give God a great praise? Come on, let's give him a great praise. He is worthy of all the glory. Amen. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.